Hallelujah. Father in heaven, holy is your name. Let your kingdom come and let your will be done in this room, in these people, in this great people as it is in heaven. Lord, give us this day our daily bread. Give us the things that we need, Lord. And God, forgive us for our sins and forgive us for those who have sinned against us. Forgive them. We forgive them. Lead us not into temptation, God, but deliver us from evil because yours is the kingdom and yours is the power and yours is the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your word. In Matthew chapter 5, starting in, uh, starting in verse, I'm sorry, in Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 5. And I'm going to let you use your own Bibles today. I'm not even putting them up there. You can pull out your iPhone. We just, we just prayed that prayer in Matthew. And Jesus begins in verse 5. He says, when you pray, you will not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the street. But when you pray, I want you to pray like this. Verse 8. Therefore, don't be like them, for your Father knows the things you have need of before you ask him. So in this manner, therefore, pray. And we just prayed that. And he says, lead us not into temptation, verse 13, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Verse 14. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you don't forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. And just a moment ago, he says in verse 12, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. What is a debt? It's something that somebody owes you. Somebody owes you something. And Jesus says, when you pray, pray to the Father whom you owe everything, and ask him to forgive you. And while you're doing that, forgive those that owe you something. Forgive those that owe you an apology. Forgive those that owe you some respect. Forgive those that owe you some healing. Forgive all of those that owe you something. And your Father in heaven, whom you owe everything, will forgive you. And then he brings it home. Leaving really no question, he brings it home in verse 14. He says, if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. Trespasses, the root word for that word trespasses, is where you fall short of hitting the mark. It means you went outside the boundary. You went outside. You trespassed into a place you should not have been. And when you forgive others, when they went past that, they got in your personal bubble. They got up in your space. They got in your face. They invaded your place. Just had to get one more in. And God says, you forgive them for that. You forgive them for that. And if you will, my Father will forgive you. Because I'll tell you what, you've done a lot yourself. You've done the same things to your Father in heaven. But if you will forgive others, my Father will forgive you. I want to I take you to Matthew 5, starting in verse 38. So this first point, I think, is pretty crystal, right? What do we have to forgive? Yeah, everything. Yeah, we have to forgive everything. And what happens if we don't forgive? We don't get forgiven. We do not get forgiven unless we forgive. How many of you are starting to feel powerful? Do you realize that you hold within your own heart and your own mouth the power to decide whether or not you're going to be blessed or cursed? Now how many of you are feeling powerful? I, you must not hear me. I just said that you actually have the power to decide whether or not you're going to get blessed. That's really good news. The rest of you are like, no, you just let me know that I'm cursed at the moment. Well, there's good news for you too. There's good news. By the end of this sermon, we're going to get you uncursed. That's exciting, by the way. That's, that's a good thing. 
Well, this side over here, God bless you for being honest about being cursed. <laughs> okay, let's start here. Let's start here. Verse 38. Jesus is speaking to the people, and he says to them, You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. First of all, where did they hear that? They heard it from the Old Testament. They heard it from God. Moses wrote it down after God told him face to face. Moses spent a whole bunch of time with God. He comes down off the mountain. His face is glowing because he spent so much time in the presence of God. And as God was speaking to him, he's writing down the history of all things because God's telling Moses how it happened. And then God gives Moses the law and says, this is how a people who are endeavoring to live a holy life are going to live. And this is what the law is going to be. In order for you to fulfill loving God with all your heart and loving your neighbor as yourself, you're going to need all of these rules to be able to do that. And how many of you know we figured out pretty quickly that you can't keep all those rules very well unless you're born again? But we have the Old Testament that began that. The, 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 the law and the prophets shows us what is actually needed in order to fulfill righteousness. Are you guys with me? So when Jesus is coming and speaking, and we know that he came to the Jews first, the very people who have the law, he comes to them and he says, okay, guys, I'm here. All the law and the prophets have been speaking about me, and now I'm here. And let me tell you some great news. And he says, here's the great news. You've heard that it was said an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. In other words, you've heard that there should be justice. If somebody is running with a stick and they poke your eye out, it's too bad, it's a bummer, but you take the stick and you poke their eye out. Now it's all even Stephen. You're wrestling around with your buddy and you throw an elbow and knock his front tooth out, no problem. He gets a stick and a rock and he jabs your tooth out. Now we're both toothless. Praise God, justice is served. It's good news, isn't it? Hallelujah. Right? Justice. Somebody say justice. Yeah, we all love justice until we have a whistly sound in voice because somebody knocked our tooth out because we owed it to them. But this is what the law spoke. And Jesus comes and says, you've heard it said. And he's right. He says, but I tell you not to resist an evil person. But whoever slaps you on the right cheek, turn the other to him also. And if anyone wants to sue you and take away your tunic, let him have your cloak also. And whoever compels you to go one mile, go with him too. Give to him who asks you. And from him who wants to borrow from you, don't turn him away. Jesus is so hardcore. He goes on, verse 43. You've heard that it was said you will love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Where did they hear that? In the law. Up until the time Jesus came, that was how you were going to bring justice. But you guys, we know that no one was able to fully fulfill the law. So Jesus comes and says, hey, no problem, guys. I'm raising the standard even higher. <laughs> I'm not making it easier. I'm making it harder. I'm letting you know that the law is just telling you the condition of your heart. I'm telling I'm going to start with your heart before you even do anything. Are you guys encouraged? So Jesus comes. He says, you've heard that said. Love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. And pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. That you may be sons of your Father in heaven. For he makes the sun rise in the evil and on the good. And sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet your brothers only, what do you do more than others? Don't even the tax collectors do that? Therefore, you will be perfect just as your Father in heaven is perfect. You will be perfect just as your Father in heaven is perfect. Jesus shows up and says, hey, guys, great news. You're not even close. You've heard it said an eye for an eye. I'll respect people after they respect me. You know, I'll, I'll love my neighbor like myself. After they show me some respect, I'll respect them. Burn me once, shame on you. Burn me twice, shame on me. And Jesus shows up and says, no, 
Nuh-uh, not even close. I want you to be perfect like my father's perfect because he sends the rain on your enemies and on you. So he takes the standard and he goes straight for the heart. And he says, I'm calling you to love the same way that my father loves. Revolutionary. Absolutely revolutionary. We, we live in a nation at this time. I'm just going to take a quick moment because I want to I uh, just talk about how supernatural this whole concept is. But we live in a nation that's actually built on a Judeo-Christian foundation. All of our laws only make sense because they're actually based on the Old Testament, the Sermon on the Mount, and the teachings of Jesus Christ. That's how our laws are written. And if you go and study law, you'll look at these and go, wow, this is practically preaching the gospel. If you go back and look at how our law works. Okay? So we live with an extraordinary amount of freedom and beauty and honor and respect that actually comes from living out the scriptures. Because they've had that much influence on those that have written our laws. Now, obviously, we have some laws that are getting shifted around and what have you, but there's still a momentum of the basis of what we understand. And let me bring, let me bring this to my point. In America, we don't have what would be referred to in uh, European countries a culture of honor. And I don't mean that in a good way. I'm not talking about a healthy culture of honor. I'm talking about a culture of honor that in, uh, that in Europe and, and much in the, in the South, um, because of aristocracy coming into the South, there is still some of that culture of honor. But here's what the culture of honor works on. A culture of honor is where it's an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. And the basis of the culture of honor is that if you disrespect me, then I will answer you with violence to defend my honor because you have dishonored me. And it is the most heinous of things that you can do to disrespect me and and others to see that because if that happens, the society starts to break down. And so if if you disrespect me, then I will respond with violence. Now, we've shifted from that. Why have we shifted from that? Because Jesus came and said, you've heard it said, a tooth for a tooth, an eye for an eye. But I'm telling you, love your enemies and pray for those who despitefully use you. You see the genius of this? For years and years, in fact, Abraham Lincoln, luckily he got out of it because he apologized. But even in America, when we were first starting, we still had a lot of the vestiges of a culture of honor here. And if you, if you disrespected somebody publicly, you would be called to a duel. Straight up duel. You know, 10 paces, turn, shoot. And people were killed. So you really thought about it before you got into like a major debate and said something really naughty about the opposition. Like party politics, do you think they're bloody now? They used to literally be bloody. I thought that was funnier, but that's, that's all right. But what's the point? The point is that until Jesus came and established a higher law of love, the culture of honor made a lot of sense. Because you had to answer an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, a, rep, a, a reputation for a reputation. Do you understand this? Now, we're so far from that now that it almost doesn't even make sense, right? I mean, we say things like, you know, sticks and stones will break my bones, but words will never hurt me. You know, somebody's like, well, you're stupid. And you're like, well, you're entitled to your own opinion. It's like, not a big deal. In a culture of honor, you tell somebody, you're stupid, and you say it in front of people, it's like, why don't you say that again? I just want to make sure that's what you said, because I'm going to take you out. Like, let's just make sure that is what you said. Oh, it is? Okay. Count them out, 10 paces. And Jesus actually spoke to that in the scriptures and said, this is not how the kingdom of heaven works. I want you to be perfect Because my Father in heaven is perfect, I'm raising the standard that not only do you turn the other cheek. In fact, he says if someone slaps you. How many of you ever watched Bugs Bunny? Remember where he'd come up with the glove, right? And you challenge him to a duel with the gloves, right? 
Isn't that interesting that the duel itself is actually based on the opposite of the Sermon on the Mount here? Jesus says, if someone slaps you, give them the other cheek. In the, in the culture of honor minus what Jesus spoke, you actually slap them to start the duel. I challenge you to a duel. Remember Bugs Bunny? He'd always put a brick in the leather glove. You guys, you guys am I too old? These kids are like, who is Bugs Bunny? But he was awesome. He'd put the brick in there. Boom. Challenge you to a duel. And you would fight the duel, and you would fight to the death. And you know what you were doing? You were living out your own justice. Jesus is coming and saying, you could never live up to the level of justice that would be required of you if you're going to earn it yourselves. That's the premise. And he speaks to this, and he, act, he absolutely changes the culture of the earth through his transformative words here written in Scripture. When he says, you will love your enemies and you will pray for those who despitefully use you. You will pray for those that are taking advantage of you. You will pray for those who have done you wrong and you will love your enemies. Jesus Christ, right now we lift up ISIS. Father, we pray that you would open the eyes of those that are in ISIS right now. Lord, we know that they're deceived. We know that you have no desire that people should be murdered. We know that you have no desire that there should be Sharia law. We know, God, that you are not this angry, vengeful God that they think that you are. And we ask, God, that you would rescue them from the clutches of the enemy. And, Lord, we do the same thing that Jesus prayed on the cross as we murdered him, and we say, Lord, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Have mercy on us and have mercy on them. Amen? This is what Jesus commanded us to do. It's, it's brilliant and it's terrifying, isn't it? It's expensive. Not only, look at, I mean, let's just look at it again. What does he say? Verse 44, but I say to you, love your enemies. Love your enemies. Bless those who curse you and do good to those who hate you. Do good to those. Not even just like, oh, Lord, bless them from a distance, Father. And if you should raise up some other angry people to wipe them out, so be it, Lord. Wink, wink. But he says, I want you to do good to them. I want you to actually do good to those who hate you. I want you to go out of your way to find some ways to bless some people that hate you. This is Jesus' solution for us. And why does he say that then? He says, pray for those who spitefully use and persecute you, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven, for he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Jesus is saying, if you want to be sons of my Father, love people that hate you. And find ways to bless them. And don't keep a record of wrongs. And he caps it a few moments later in, in chapter 6 where he says, Our Father in heaven, holy is your name. And he tells us, I want you to pray this every time you pray. This is how you should pray. Because they asked him, Jesus, how do we pray? And he says like this, Father in heaven, holy is your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Forgive us what we owe as we forgive those who owe us something. And don't lead us into temptation because we are tempted to be self-righteous. We are tempted to rationalize things. We are tempted to justify not doing any of these things. Lord, lead us away from that. And deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. And then Jesus says, and here's why this is important. If you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you don't forgive men your trespasses, neither will your Father forgive yours. Heavy words, huh? This is a huge deal. This is a huge deal. This is everything for us. This is the area where many of us at this very moment are afflicted in ways that we don't need to be because we have become complacent 
and selective in applying this piece of Scripture, which is the cornerstone. Forgiveness by God. Mercy for those who deserve justice is the gospel of Jesus Christ. You see, we couldn't handle justice because we've all sinned and fallen short of his glory. We've all been imperfect. And we might say, well, no, but I'm a pretty good human being. You know, I'm, pretty, I'm pretty fancy living. Well, let's just go back to what, what Jesus said. Do you love your neighbor? Good. Do you love your enemy? <laughs> ah, not a lot of that going on. I mean, I'm not blowing them up. I wouldn't say that's actively loving them either, though, would you? I mean, if we want to be perfect, if we want to justify ourselves, right? So Jesus goes straight to the heart. Bless those who curse you. How many of us are actively blessing those who are of a different political party right now? Raise your hand. Actively blessing. Daily blessing. Actively. A couple of you. Well, praise God. Good, good, good. How, are, how many of you are actively doing good to somebody who hates you right now? We're not earning points. I'm just saying, are you in the practice of doing this? Good. Praise Jesus. A couple of us. Hallelujah. <laughs> Praying for those who spitefully use you. The list goes on. And it's just daily is all. <laughs> it's just daily. It's just part of what we do. What's the point? The point is Jesus is calling us to engage in living a life that's just like him. And the entry point is in the place of forgiveness. It's in the place of forgiveness. Are you guys having fun yet? Okay. All right. And, and guess what? We have, I even have a object lesson coming up soon, so prepare yourselves. Yes, practicum. All right, let's go to, um, let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. We're going to do verse 23 through 32. I'm going to give you just a second there to get your iPhone to catch up with you. Okay, so he's giving instruction of the Lord's Supper. Now check this out. This is huge. He says, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. And that's why we do this. We're saying, wow, this is what it actually cost. My entry into heaven came at the cost of Jesus' blood. And we know in another place it says that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, Right? And it's his kindness that leads us to repentance. So Jesus has laid out this whole teaching to say, you were actually my enemies. Are you guys getting this? When, when he's saying, I want you to be perfect like my father is perfect, and he's preaching to the Jews at that point, but then later we know that he also lets all of us in because he was using Israel as an example of what he was going to not only do for Israel, but the whole world. He wanted to reconcile everyone, so he's getting ready to reconcile us. But do we understand this, that we were enemies of God? And you know what? Let me tell you something. God is a good enemy to have. Think about that for a minute. If you're going to have an enemy, the one you want is God. I know, you're like, I didn't understand. Well, let me help you understand. Because God is the only one Ever that has said, I want you to love your enemies, and I want you to do nice things for them, and I want you to pray for them, I want you to bless for them, bless them, and I want you to do this because that's my father's heart towards his enemies. And then he demonstrates it in Jesus Christ. And Jesus comes and says, I didn't come to be served, but to serve. And I came to give my life to reconcile all of my enemies that will turn to me back to me. Now, let me be really clear. If you're new here, we're not talking about Satan and the, and the demons. We're talking about human beings here. Okay, Satan doesn't get saved in the end. He's already had an opportunity to see God as God actually is, and he rejected that. That's a whole different burrito. 
So let's get back here. All right. Jesus, or I mean, uh, so then in 1 Corinthians, um, uh, the apostle continues to expound then to the Corinthian church. He's talking to them about taking the Lord's Supper, which we've just talked about. What the Lord's Supper represents is our entry into the kingdom of heaven, which is now expanding throughout the earth until Jesus comes and finishes that great work and we get our new bodies. Okay? So this is exciting stuff. And he's talking to the Corinthian church. And he's explaining to them, hey, you guys continue to take communion. Continue to remember that the only way that any of us got in was because God is amazing and Jesus Christ gave his body that we could come. So we have total access. We can be totally bold. We can come right in because of what he paid and forgave our sins. Catching this? So then let's go, let's go on. 26, for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. Whoa, hold up. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. And for this reason, many are weak and sick among you, and many sleep. For if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. But when we are judged, we're chastened by the Lord that we may not be condemned with the world. Did you just catch this? We can take communion in an unworthy manner. Now, what does that mean? Is he saying, you know, you, you didn't like hold your eyes just right or you took the blood before the bread or the bread before the blood? No, no. I think we have some clues here. On that very thing. So let's go to Mark 11, 23 and 26. Jesus is getting, he's coming into Jerusalem and he's speaking to the disciples. And at that point, he had gone to the fig tree, remember, and he wanted some figs. There was no figs, so he spoke to the fig tree Cursed be you, fig tree, you'll never bear fruit again. And they walk by again. And it's totally withered from the roots. And the, and the disciples are excited like, Jesus, <laughs> that tree you talked to died just like you said it would. And Jesus answers and says, have faith in God. Verse 22. For assuredly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. And therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. And whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him, that your Father in heaven may also forgive you your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your trespasses. So he reminds him again, every time you come to talk to me, every time, search your heart. And if you have somebody that you haven't forgiven, if you have somebody that you haven't made things right as far as it is with you, Handle that business right away and forgive them. Because if you don't, then you're denying your own forgiveness. You're asking God to forgive you and not them. You're asking God to give them justice and you mercy. You're believing that you're your brother's judge and that you yourself don't stand before the true just judge who said, I love mercy over justice. And he fulfilled both. See, Jesus fulfilled actual justice. The eye for an eye, the tooth for the tooth, the guilty for the, for the guiltless, that exchange has been made. Justice has been served. So it's not wrong that each of us wants justice. That is, you're acting like God when you want justice. The fact that you even like justice is you acting like God. The part where you follow through and be perfect like him is when you recognize that that's not justice and then you forgive and restore the standard of relationship. That's when you're acting like God. That's when you look like your daddy. Noticing it, well, that's because you've came from him. Doing it, well, that's because you're being like him. You catch that? Now, this is key for all of us. And we just, we just saw then, just a moment ago, the apostle says, many of you are taking the Lord's communion, you're living a life, you're remembering the death and resurrection of Christ in an unworthy manner. 
Now, they were also doing some other things, too. They were, some of them weren't even sharing enough food with other people, and some of them were drinking a lot of communion wine and actually getting drunk, um, which I think is, <laughs> I don't even know how that business happened. It's funny. But so he's coming in and saying, don't take the Lord's communion in an unworthy manner. You're, you're, even, being, uh, you're even being slothful about this situation. But how much more do we see Jesus constantly, consistently saying, you must forgive or you will not be forgiven. And we saw the definition of what Jesus talks about when he says what it looks like having forgiven someone. You notice that Jesus, the Father, makes the sun rise on the evil and on the good. And he sends rain on the just and on the unjust. He loves those that haven't yet turned to him, and he loves those that have turned to him. He actively provides for the real felt needs of individuals, regardless of whether or not they've yet turned to him. Which means that we as followers in relationship meet the felt needs of relationship, regardless of whether or not that person has fully made it right. This isn't conjecture. This isn't like a cute little idea of like, I wish in my heart as much as I could that I would get along, but Lord, I just pray you bless that person. And then there's no actual tangible love. Have you ever been around somebody who's clearly indifferent to you? You know, you're like, hey, how's it going? They're like, hi. Anyway, blah, 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 right? You get that text from them. Hey, what are you doing today? <sighs> Right? See, Jesus speaks to this. But this isn't actually the full point of my story. So it's tangible love. I have seven minutes. Okay. It's tangible love. And we must forgive or we ourselves will not be forgiven. Mm. Be really cool if the Lord could stop time for a minute. You know, Joshua got to pray, Lord, we're destroying our enemies right now. Could you stop the sun in the sky so we can finish? All right. Come with me to <laughs> come with me to Matthew chapter 18. We're gonna start in verse 15. So I've said this from a whole lot of different angles, and I've said it from a whole lot of different angles and in a whole lot of different places, because although this is absolutely foundational and basic to the faith and basic to us as followers of Christ, it is one of the most underutilized places for most of us in the area where we begin to grow complacent, where we begin to grow apathetic, and unfortunately where we allow the enemy to come in and destroy us as a people of God. And we become judges and we begin to use words like hypocrite and fake and plastic and we feel good about it. Oh, I used to go there, First Christian Church of the Gospel of Gossip, but I had to get away from those phony people because they were totally human and it disgusted me. And so I left them to be alone with my Netflix and Bible. And we actually become the judges of others. We distance ourselves from other people, and we completely give ourselves a pass from actually fulfilling these scripture, which was to pray for that person, to go to that person. So let's just start there. Are you guys enjoying this? I, I'm glad. I'm glad. I don't know if I am, but these words are important too. I don't apologize for it. I'm just saying these are hard sermons to preach. I hope you know it costs something. To come in and say, we must live the scriptures. We must live the scriptures. We must allow this word to penetrate our heart and we must obey them. So verse 15, moreover, 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 if moreover, it's moreover, it's not moreover, moreover, no wonder I've been doing it wrong. I've been moreover in this whole time. It was actually moreover. It's easier. Moreover is hard. It's like more ever. This is over. So you'll be over quickly. Let's continue. If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. Number one, what does it say? Who's involved in this first step? Who? 
And what about vague booking? Does vague booking count? Does anybody know what vague booking is? It's where you get on to Facebook and you say, don't you hate it when people blah, 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 and you don't mention, you, like you mention everything but the name of that person. That's called vague booking. And it is not fulfilling this scripture. <laughs> Tweeting, angry little moments, also not fulfilling this scripture. And subtweeting now. Come on. Again, still not moreover. It's not happening. You're morevering a little bit, but you're not moreovering. No, it says you go straight to that person. And you tell them the fault between you and him alone. Or her alone. And if they hear you, you've gained your brother. But if they won't hear, then take with you one or two others. That by the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word may be established. And if he refuses to hear them, tell it to the church. But if he refuses even to hear the church, then let him be to you like a heathen and a tax collector. Which ironically, if you think about that, what do you do for the heathens and the tax collectors? You're all the way back to loving them like an enemy and blessing them and looking for ways to really bless them. Where they're like, okay already, I'll just repent. Quit bringing brownies to my house. You're killing me with kindness. Guys, this is so simple that it scares the living bejeebers out of us, doesn't it? It's like, no, I'm deeply offended. I need to go have a meeting with several friends so we can talk about strategies of how I would go to this person. No, it doesn't say that. It says just go to this person. Just go to this person. Now I have three minutes. Now, he continues. Jesus is continuing. Now look what he's doing. We've just been laid out. I must forgive. When you pray, if you realize that somebody has an offense to, with, against you, go to them and make it right, then bring your gift. When you pray, forgive those who have sinned against you, or your Father won't forgive you. When you pray, forgive, okay? And Jesus says, you want to be like your Father? Forgive. Are you guys with me? Forgive, 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 forgive. Now he's saying, when your brother sins against you, what do I want you to do? Go talk to him, work it out, and forgive. And then he goes on, verse 8. Assuredly, I say to you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And again, I say to you, if the two of you agree on earth concerning anything that you ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, I'm there in the midst of them. Why did he start with forgiving and then end with, but if you ask anything, if you guys will get together and agree that this thing is healed, it'll be healed. Also, if you come and you ask anything, and Mark had just said, if you come and ask me anything, you could look at a mountain and say, in the name of Jesus, we agree that that mountain needs to move. My Father will do it. However, forgive your brother or that mountain will stay. And the other thing is, by the way, if you want to make this molehill between you and your brother into a mountain through unforgiveness, you will also create that. Did you catch this? You can create blessing or you can create curses. You can divide this very house with unforgiveness and gossip and destroy the very things that God's doing through the living stones, the sons and daughters of God in this family. And you can destroy it or at least work very, very hard to. But you can do that. You have the power to do that. You have the power to divide brothers and sisters. You have the power to bring bitterness into this house, into these families. You have the power to strain these relationships. And so rather than us go and, and compete and defeat the enemy, we can argue with each other. And you know what? What we loose here is loosed. And what we bind here is bound. And only we can choose that. You see, you can't have power and not have the ability to do bad things with it. I want to be powerful. Well, you are. Yeah, but I don't want to be responsible if I make a bad decision. Well, you are. You don't get to be powerful one way and not the other. So Jesus gives us this exquisite way to deal with this, to live out love, and that is that I must forgive. And the only way I'm going to be able to forgive you most times is that I must tell you that I actually got hurt by you. Hey, gosh, I'm really sorry. Man, I got my feelings hurt. I got to tell you something, guys. As it turns out, it is actually really, 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 really challenging 
to live this. I don't know if you noticed. How many of you have noticed that this is actually very challenging to live? And you know the biggest reason why, at least that I found, um, is because it's humiliating. Just say that. Humiliating. Okay, it's time for the, um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to take 10 more minutes. Okay, I, I really am. Is that okay? If not, you can just get up and walk out. It's totally fine. I understand you got lunch to eat. Just head on out. But here's what I want you to do. I want you to stand up, and I want you to trade places with the person sitting next to you. Or you can move over one seat. If you're right next to somebody, trade places. If you move a seat, move a seat. Just get up out of where you were and move somewhere else. Just step into a new seat. Why do you think that we just did this? What's that? Look at someone else's point of view. Why else do you think we did this? Change? So you could forgive me later from a different perspective. Yes, it's good. It's good. Honestly, sometimes we just need to get up out of the place where we've been and make a decision to get into a new place. It's just that simple. I've been in this position. I've been in this place. This is how it is. This is how I think. This is what I knew. And the Lord comes in and says, he who would follow me must become like a child and become absolutely teachable. Old things have passed away and new things have come. His mercies are new every morning. That means as long as there are breath, there are, as long as there, as long, I said Shaba, by the way, in case somebody, rip, lip reader was like, what did he say? I said moreover. Okay. As long as you are drawing breath, you can make a new decision. And God has given you power through the Holy Spirit. This is a supernatural thing that when you forgive God creates something new. You move out of death into life. And it's as simple as just deciding I'm going to get up. I'm going to stop sitting in this place of judgment. I'm going to stop sitting in this place of unforgiveness. And I'm going to get up and I'm going to sit down on the mercy seat with Jesus. And I'm going to forgive just like Jesus. And it really is that simple. And then you just get to act on it which is a lot like running down a mountain. Have you ever run down a steep mountain? And like you just, you're like, okay, here we go. And you just take that first step, which is the scariest one, and then gravity just does the rest. You're just running so fast trying to keep those legs going as quickly as you're falling because you're mostly falling down the mountain in a running sort of way. You know what I'm talking about? Remember when you were first a kid, you're like, I'm going to run down this mountain. It's going to be awesome. And then you're like, ha, 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 whoa. And you're just booking it. Well, I got to tell you that going and telling someone that you've been offended and humbling yourself is like running down a mountain. Number one, you'll totally get to the bottom. I promise you, you'll get to the bottom. Two, it will be terrifying. It just will. It's going to scare you. Three, it is humiliating. Have you ever seen yourself run down the mountain? You really look like an idiot. Luckily, so do they. They're right by you. You're running together. Here's what it is. Love hopes all things. It believes all things. It doesn't keep a record of wrongs, and it never fails. That's why you'll get to the bottom of the mountain. You see, it takes humility, though. See, love will humble itself. Jesus came not to be served, but to serve. Jesus came not to kill you, but to be killed on your behalf. Which means when I go, because I have unforgiveness in my heart with you because of something that you did, the way that you affected me, I have to actually humble myself and serve you by giving you the opportunity to know how you affected me. Not coming and saying, you know what, you've got a spirit of Jezebel because you like rebelled against things and I read a bunch of scriptures. And Anyway, here's a list of who you are. No, that's not, no, no. Don't call your friends by your enemies' names. No, I'm going to come and say, Amaris, I don't even know how to do this, but seriously, I just have to say this. I actually got my feelings really hurt by you. And I don't even know if you know, but the other day, you know, you walked by and I was like, hi, Amaris, how are you? And then you just like looked right at me and then you just started texting and didn't say anything. And it just, I was like, man, 
wish I was an awesome man of God. Okay. And so Amaris can then say, wow, I am so sorry. Honestly, I don't even know what you're talking about. And then I can say, that's the problem. No. No, then I'm just simply going to say, oh, see, I kind of thought that. You didn't even see me, did you? She's like, no, I, I didn't see you. But what would you say? Yeah, she would say, I'm sorry. I know, pretty complicated, right? And here's me flailing down the mountain. Ah! But what did it take? It just took me actually going to my sister and saying, which this didn't actually happen, but it could have, right? Because you text all the time. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> See how I turned that around? Don't do that. Don't do that. That was what not to do. But the point is I have to go to the person and actually humble myself to tell them how I've been affected. Not... I don't know anything about Amaris that day that didn't even happen. I don't know. She might have been getting a text from her mom that her grandma died. You know what I mean? Here I'm like, well, that's Amaris. PKs, I tell you. They don't even like people. I'm the pastor. She should know who I am. I know about that. No, I mean, I can, you know how much conjecture shows up when we don't just go to the person? But we immediately defeat the enemy when I just come and I submit myself. Pete, man, I got to tell you, the other day, you know, we shook hands, and you just, like, crushed my hand because you're, I think, are you angry with me? Like, brother, I just have to admit, I felt, I felt a lot of things, but did you mean to crush my hand? And Pete's like, no, son, it's just, I'm a man. And, <laughs> but until I submit myself to Pete and his mighty hands of justice, I don't know what's in his heart. It's that simple, but it takes humility. Here's what, I, here's what I want to challenge us to do today. And I don't even have time to get into the fact, and in fact, I'm not even going to go into it because it's a whole other sermon. But this is how we defeat the devil. These are the weapons of our warfare. Humility. Humility is a fruit of the Spirit. Jesus humbled himself and became just like us and faced what we faced. And what did he do? Father, forgive them. They don't even know what they're doing. So we come with an assumption when somebody hurts us, Lord, I don't even think they meant to. And even if they did mean to, I don't think they're happy living a life where they think that's okay. So I still think they didn't mean to. Forgive them. They don't even know what they're doing. But I have to humble myself and submit myself to another human being that they actually had the power to hurt me. And I think a lot of us are living in a fantasy like, I should just not be hurtable. Yeah, well, if you're not hurtable, it also means you're not lovable. And you're not able to love. No, it's true. I'm not saying God doesn't love you. I'm saying no one can get to you because you're like, you will not hurt me. And they're like, I can't even love you either. Like, I'm trying, but I can't get through all of this. Are you with me? See, showing and sharing with somebody that they could actually hurt you means that you're actually being vulnerable enough to say that they could also love you. There's an opportunity in that. So if your brother sins against you, if your sister sins against you, I must go to them and I must say, I just have to let you know this, is, this happened, and this is how it made me feel. Now, I'm gonna, I'm truly, I am truly beleaguering this last point because I just need to let you know, first of all, we need to make an agreement with each other right now that we're going to give each other some grace as we now have people come to us after this sermon that they're not going to be very good at it at all. In fact, they're going to stink at it so bad you're going to have an opportunity to then work with them while they offend you because they were offended with you. And did it horribly. I'm not encouraging you to do it horribly. I'm just saying you're both running down the mountain and you'll both get a chance. The key thing here is simply this. Love covers a multitude of sins. It covers it. It, it says, you know what? I'm not going to be petty. <laughs> How about that? I, I wish it would have just said that. Love's not petty. Like That handle it right there. What's my point here? I don't know. I'm kidding. I do have a point. My point is this, when we go to share with somebody that they've offended us or they've hurt us, we must be so committed to tell them about how we've been affected while not telling them anything about them. See, our moments like this, we're, we're not real awesome at it, and we usually come and tell them about them instead of telling them about us. Are you with me? So it's so vital that you make a commitment to go into it and say, listen, 
And, and, and this is, you know, we use this in, in marriage counseling all the time, but it, and it's basic, but if you use this, it will serve you so well. When you come, you don't say to them, if you, you know, you, 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 always, 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 never, 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 every time, every time. Those are all wrong. You come and say, hey, when you said this, I felt, and say that word, I felt, and then you fill in the blank. You see, then you're giving that human being the respect and honor and love that they deserve. You're saying, Doug, you know, when, when, when you said that, uh, that my shirt looked a little tight, I felt like you were saying that uh, I might be eating a little too much lately. I felt like that. And then Doug will say, well, no, actually, I, I think you're wearing my wife's shirt. <laughs> oh, man, I am. Thank you. Praise God. Okay. But I didn't tell Doug because I think the other, the other scenario would be, you know what, Doug? It seems like every time you see me, you have another stupid thing to say to me. I, it's, like, it's like you're just waiting around to just insult me all the time about the fact that I'm getting close to 40 and there's a lot more of me to love. <laughs> but that was a whole lot about Doug, wasn't it? That wasn't even about me. No, I have to come and say, Doug, I got to be honest. I mean, I'm even embarrassed to have to say this, but truthfully, like I got my feelings hurt the other day and I felt like you were saying, you know, I'm getting a little, getting a little blessed. And maybe he did. And maybe he just say, dude, I'm sorry. I was just teasing you. I'll, I'll, stop, I'll stop telling you how blessed you are. Okay. I'm glad we can laugh. We have to laugh. Because we will either laugh and humble ourselves and live this out, or we will destroy one another's relationships. And the enemy will defeat us in this place. Amen? Let's stand up and pray together. Just put your hand on your heart if you would. Thank you for that extra 12 minutes. Please forgive me for taking two more than I said I would. If you would. All right. All right, let's just speak to our hearts right now, okay? I'm going to pray a prayer, and if it makes sense to you, would you repeat it with me? So the first one is, thank you, God, for Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for demonstrating forgiveness. Thank you for forgiving me. Help me, Lord, to be humble, to choose love to be brave, to forgive my neighbor, to tell my neighbor how they made me feel, while at the same time loving them enough to not keep a list. (laughs) Holy Spirit, give us wisdom. We don't want to be petty, but we don't want to be cowards. We trust that you are leading us. I promise I will go to those that you, Holy Spirit, bring to mind that I need to forgive. Help me and help them. Amen. Let's go love some people this week. God bless you guys.